Welcome to Fam Room Discussions, where I open up my fam room to talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I'm not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I'm just an average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. Discussing Come Follow Me with others helps me in my conversion. I hope you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing your insights. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 13, following along with Who Hath Ears to Hear, Let Him Hear, Matthew chapter 13, Luke chapter 8, and 13. And before I begin, I just got to say I'm so happy to be back on track to where I'm supposed to be on the recording schedule. If you've been a long-time listener, then you've heard this message so many times. Um, but I was like off track by a week for the last several weeks, and I could not get back on track. And it was just because of the way that I had been scheduling when I record these. And I just was like, just don't fall more than one week behind, and we'll get there. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll find the time. And <laughs> it's like, I, even though I've learned this lesson multiple times, it blows my mind how life really does just continue to get busier and busier and busier. And if you fall out of organization in any way, you'll be hurting and it compounds. That hurt just compounds. So I'm glad to be back on track. If you didn't uh, listen to the last episode, episode 12, because you're probably listening to this. uh, If you you listen to whichever is the most recent episode, then this is going to be the one that's made up for us. So we're back on track. Uh, I invite you to go back and listen to episode 12 if you missed it. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed recording that one uh, and just kind of some of the thoughts that I shared. But again, if, if you're just happy to be back on track, that's fine. I, I also want to just share some of my quick ponderings of, I, I've been thinking about this week, like why, and, and this happens from time to time. So again, if you've been a long time listener of the podcast, then this won't come as something new. But if you're more recent, or newer, I always ponder why, what is it that you get from this, from listening? What is it? Why is it that you come? Uh, Because there's so many podcasts you can listen to. There's so much content. The church has so many things just from themselves. There's also a ton of Come Follow Me podcasters who are great, and uh, I really enjoy listening to them. They're very organized, very concise. They have a lesson plan. And so, and also there's historians you can listen to. The uh, BYU has professors that do this. So I ask myself, then why do you come here? And I hope that the reason is, and it could be any number of reasons, but I hope that the reason is that it's the same hope we all have whenever we listen to anything spiritual, which is we want to connect with the Holy Ghost. And if that's the case, I really do take that. That's what I think about, and I take that responsibility seriously, where you don't come to listen to Dalton um, and maybe you do because we're friends and have a relationship there, but, but I genuinely hope it's because you, like me, we're trying to connect with the Holy Ghost. We're trying to find something, to learn something, and to have that connection experience, and I take that seriously. I come prepared. Um, I try to come prepared with some light to share, some experience to share that hopefully you can take and ponder on, and it you know, blazes within you as you go out throughout your week and, you know, don't hide your your light under a bushel, so to speak. So I've been thinking about that. And and I have come again as I as I try to. 
with some light to share. So in the introduction, it says some of the Savior's most memorable teachings were in the form of simple stories called parables. These were more than just interesting, interesting anecdotes about ordinary objects or events. They contained profound truths about the kingdom of God for those who were spiritually prepared. One of the first parables recorded in the New Testament, the parable of the sower, invites us to examine our readiness to receive God's word. For whosoever receiveth, Jesus declared, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. So as we prepare to study the Savior's parables, or any of his teachings, a good place to start is to examine our hearts and determine whether we are giving the word of God good ground in which to grow, blossom, flourish, and produce fruit that will bless us and our families in abundance. I'm going to come back to that thought by the end of this episode. So remember that. In section one, it says, my heart must be prepared to receive the word of God. It says, why is it that sometimes our hearts are receptive to truth, while at other times we're tempted to resist it? Reading the parable of the sower can provide a good opportunity to think about how well you receive truth from the Lord. It might be helpful to match verses three to eight of Matthew 13 with the interpretations provided in verses 18 to 23. What can you do to cultivate good ground in yourself? What might be some of the thorns that keep you from truly hearing and following God's words? How can you overcome those thorns? I thought about this parable uh, to my own life, and uh, two years ago and last year, um, and I don't remember if I shared it then or not, but Lex and I have been working on our yard, first our backyard and and then our front yard. Because when we moved into the house in which we're in, the yard hadn't been taken care of for eight years. So it was just kind of a mess. The sprinkler system didn't work. There were all sorts of plants growing, tons of weeds growing. I'm still growing. Cannot get rid of those. And it was a disaster. I don't know much about landscaping, so I went to the source of almost all truth. The source of truth, all truth, is obviously God. The source of almost all truth is YouTube. And I went and started studying out YouTube videos and how-tos, went to Home Depot's website, and tried to learn what we need to do to be able to get our yard so that people actually want to come and hang out in it. And ultimately, what we decided to do was rent a tiller, uh, borrowed a tiller from my neighbor, and then rented a like an industrial tiller and just destroyed everything that was there. We just churned it all up to make it like butter. And then tried to prepare the ground so that it could take grass seed. Now, the first time I did this, I clearly did not watch the right YouTube video, or at least I just didn't listen (laughs) thoroughly. I tried to do the fast-forward version of it. And I said all you had to do was till up the ground, get it watered, and then you throw seed on it. Or maybe, maybe I'm mixing those steps up. Maybe you don't water it, you throw seed, then you water it, whatever. So I did that. I literally just started throwing grass seed, uh, Kentucky bluegrass, if you're curious. Started just throwing that all over what had become a essentially giant dirt pit in my backyard. And I was pretty excited because it was a ton of work. I mean, it was, you know, two full weeks of tilling and getting that ground and trying not to destroy any sprinklers and all that. So when I was throwing grass, I was like, this is going to be the easiest thing. It's just going to start growing. And I watered it and watered a couple times. And after like three weeks, there were like some small little patches. And when I say some small patches, we're talking like like quarter, quarter inch patches. No, quarter. Like, like I mean, I like a literal coin, not quarter inch. I mean like an actual quarter. Patches of grass randomly dispersed throughout this backyard. 
And Lex came out and was like, it didn't work. Like, why didn't this not work? You failed. How could you have done this? No, she didn't say that. But she was upset, and she was like, I don't understand why it's not working. I was like, you just need to give it time. Well, it turns out, no, it doesn't take that much time. I had done it wrong. I had prepared the ground, but I hadn't planted the seed right. Anyway, there's a long story to this. I learned, I figured it out, and as I was pondering this story that I went through of how to learn how to grow grass, um, because it turns out, by the way, when you throw the grass, you actually have to, like, then recover it. It's weird. You'd think the grass wouldn't be this high maintenance, but it is. Anyway, that gave me context because I've, you know, tried to prepare ground for seeding. Gave me context when I was reading the parable of the sower. So you got these four states of ground, right? Um, Some that are thrown by the wayside, some that are thrown in stony ground, some that are thrown in thorns, and then some that are thrown in good ground. And so when this question says, what can you do to cultivate good ground in yourself? I ponder that it's literally like me trying to prepare my backyard to plant grass seed, that you have to get that, that soil so it's like butter just churning and it's it's not hard. I mean, in, in the area we live in, we're dealing with clay and sand. So I got to, you know, churn that up and get some good soil in there. And then once you do seed, it's more than just throwing it on the ground and letting it go. You have to actually, you know, mix it in. And then you got to water it and you got to take care of it. You got to monitor it. It can't be too hot. It can't be too cold. All these conditions have to be just right. So when we when when the question's like, what can we be doing to be good ground? Well, let's step back and ask ourselves, what environment are we putting ourselves in to be able to receive the word of God? When are you studying the scripture? Well, first, let's ask this, the question, are you studying the scriptures? Because if you're not, well, then you're not even doing step one, so to speak, of, of how you can be prepared. How are your prayers going? How's your church attendance going? What are the environments that you're putting yourself in? When you're studying... What does that look like? Is that like a, oh, right before bed? Oh, yeah, I forgot to read my scriptures. Better pop it open and read a couple verses here. Um, is it right when you wake up, but you're on a rush because you're like, got to get to school, got to get to work, got to rush off the day. I, I got to just read it, pop open, read a couple verses. That's going to impact what you get spiritually from your study. And you're saying your prayers. Are you just praying to kind of, you know, be like, oh, I know I'm supposed to pray, so I'm going to, Okay, get on my knees, do the introduction. All right, how was today? Okay, and you're going through kind of the motions, and you're not, you know, repeating yourself because you're not doing vain repetitions, but is your heart in it? Are you actually trying to listen? Because prayer is not just a one-way conversation. It's supposed to be a two-way conversation. Is Are your prayers two-way conversations? How much listening time do you give? When you're talking about church attendance, are you going and then looking at your clock for two hours, being like, man, I cannot wait when that bell rings and I can bounce out of this place and forget about church for a week. Are you, you know, I know that Lex and I, for instance, during sacrament are just trying to make sure we're not killing our children and getting them to be reverent. But even then, I try to make sure to push myself, push myself more and more to be like, okay, this week was kind of rowdy with the kids. Why was that? What can I do? Let's step back. How much are we stepping back and looking at the environments we're putting, putting ourselves in for these spiritual moments? When you go to the temple, is it just because you're 
They're like, okay, I've got I've got about an hour. I can I can really squeeze it in here, but I'm gonna have to be in and out. I can't stay. I can't meditate. You're not gonna get as much out. And so when it's the question, back to this question, what can you do to cultivate good ground in yourself? You need to be one setting apart the time. You have to be setting apart the time. You don't have time. I can promise you that if you go and look at your life, there are plenty of things you can start cutting out to give yourself more time that you can offer to the Lord. The amount of time, my phone actually calculates it. The amount of time I spend on YouTube and Facebook watching uh, essentially videos that are the same as YouTube is like four hours a week or whatever, which I'm like, there's no way. And then I go back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I spent four hours watching YouTube tutorials on how to mountain bike. I, I enjoy watching these YouTube mountain bike tutorials, but is that where I want my time? Not four hours, maybe maybe an hour, but not four hours. So I promise you, if you get serious with yourself and you look at the environment you're setting yourself up, you will find where you can be giving yourself, where you can be giving yourself and cultivating good ground. Make it easier for yourself to connect with God, not harder. And then in Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, it says, for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. To me, this is just good economic principles, and I invite you to be a good investment. Whatever the Lord's giving you, make sure to do something with it. Don't hide your light, add to your light. Make sure to be calculating, be accountable for your time, be accountable for your efforts. Be that good investment. Don't have those investments taken away because you're doing nothing with it. In section three, the righteous must grow among the wicked until the end of the world. And I only want to share this verse. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verse 29. It says, but he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. This is the parable, obviously, of the wheat and the tares. It's talking about the, uh, you know, it's like, can't we just pull the, the tares from the wheat, you know, and this council? No. Because you might be gathering up the wheat in your efforts to grab the tares. What do I learn from this? What do I gain from that? What's the lesson for me? Because obviously the question is posed, why must the righteous grow up among the wicked until the end of the world? In my experience, we are pretty bad, just us as individuals, at picking the wheat from the tares. There are some people that I would say naturally, like, that's a wheat. That person right there, that's righteous. And I don't see the struggles they're going through, and I don't see the decisions they're making privately or when we're not together. And then over the years, you start to see those decisions have horrible consequences that I didn't see. And now they're at a point in their life where I'm like, oh, man, they might be a tear. Now, as I even say that, I'm, again, not seeing what's happening in their personal life because what happens if they do have this moment where they come back and they're like, you know what? I don't like where I'm at. I don't like the direction my life has gone. I need to make corrections. I need to repent. Similar to the prodigal son. And they come back. And then I'm like, oh, they're a we. We, as the natural man and women in us, we're terrible at picking out the wheats from the tares. And that is my opinion of why we have to grow up together. An additional benefit is that true Christ-like principles are developed despite the tares. 
And it's because of the trials. It's because of those that push us and who do want to bring us down. That's where we find out what we're really made of, who we're truly following, who our master really is. I want to leave one last verse with you. I said there was one last verse, but I lied. I want one more. Give me one more. Um, this is in Luke chapter 8, verse 37 to 40. This is, a, this is the story of the man who was possessed by a devil. I'm going to pronounce the city wrong. I apologize, but I'm, I'm over it. It says, Then the whole multitude of the country of the, guard, the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Christ has cast out the devil from a man who had had um, a devil in him. And I believe this is the one that's, yep, this is the story of the swine and the, the man possessed by the devil who calls himself Legion. And it's a ton of devils. It's not just one. It's a ton of devils, right? In 38, now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to thine own house and shew how great the things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. I want to stop here because this is right before verse 40 and I'm going to read verse 40. This is where the point comes in. But before this, just to personalize the scriptures for you. Imagine that. You have been possessed by devils. You're essentially a crazy person to the outside world. You've been living in caves, cutting yourself on rocks, and you look like a wild person. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ shows up, casts all of these devils out of you. You've got your brain back. You've got your senses back. And he's going to leave. No wonder... In verse 38, where it says that he besought him, that he might be with him. Why the crap would you want to disconnect yourself from the one person who just saved your life? When no one else believed in you, when no one else was came and sought, sought you out, Christ comes, saves your life. Of course you want him. And then Christ says, go and publish this, right? In verse 40, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Verse 37, we learn that these people wanted him out. Christ does this miracle, casts out these devils. A bunch of pigs die. The people want him out. They're scared. They're like, we don't know what power you have, but get out of here. Christ tells this one, this one man, go, talk to the city, preach your testimony. Bear your testimony. That's what I want you to do. He does it. When Christ returns, the people gladly received him, for they were waiting for him. That is the power of one convert. That is the power that conversion can have. It is the ripple effect that we don't see. And it is my testimony that God does not want us to be converters. He wants us to be preparers. Christ, the Holy Ghost, they are the converting power. It says that when he came back, they were they gladly received him. That is what we need to do. We need to be that man who Christ comes, touches us, he saves us. We don't want him to leave. We don't want to have to go back to the world. We don't have to go through our daily challenges. We want to just stay in the comfort and peace of Christ. And he tells us, go, prepare the people, bear your testimony. The effect that this one convert of Christ had was that he's, you know, from the context of the scriptures that essentially the whole town 
was super stoked when Christ came back. And he then he was able again to be the converting power. So if you're ever stressed out about missionary work, don't be stressed because God's not asking you to go and convert the people. That's not what he's asking you to do. What he's asking you to go is to go and prepare people that their hearts are ready for when he comes, for when the Holy Ghost comes and touches their heart. Be a preparer. Truman Madsen gives a talk. He says, go be a bird dogger. Bird dogger is where the dog goes and it points to where the bird is. It's not every, he says, you know, not every member, a missionary, every member, a bird dogger. It's a great talk. Go look it up. I think it's on the BYU archives. And the point is, we are to be friends. Build relationships, bear your testimony by living your testimony. As you do so, those people who get to know you, get to love you, love you because you love them, they will be prepared. You will be the preparing power and God will come and do the conversion. That's what I wanted to leave you with. I really like that story. It stuck with me. So uh, back to what I, I said we would come back to it. We're coming back to it now. In the, in the introduction, it talks about meditation. I invite you to meditate for 10 minutes this week and spiritually prepare yourself to receive the word of God in your heart. Prepare your soil to receive the seeds of faith. I've given a bunch of examples that you can do, a bunch of things you could work on, step back and think, but meditate and be prepared to receive the word. And then I want you to write that experience down. Have that as a witness to what that meditation did for you this week. Thank you for joining my family room discussion. And until we meet again, have a blessed week.